Welcome to another episode of In the Name of Service, a podcast committed to sharing the untold stories of those who selflessly serve. Each episode features an interview with men and women who have been called to a variety of service-focused roles, such as the military, law enforcement, ministry, volunteering, and more. You aren't likely to know the names of the individuals you meet here, but our hope is by the end of our time together, you'll not only know their stories, but possibly be inspired to write your own in some way. Humble in nature, but strong in character, these everyday men and women showcase what it is to truly be a servant. We're glad you're here. Now here's your host, Dr. Barb Thompson. Okay, thank you so much for joining me today for another inspiring episode of In the Name of Service. I'm your host, Dr. Barb Thompson. As a United States Army veteran and operational psychologist, I've spent my career working with military and law enforcement units conducting in-depth interviews with hundreds of individuals who are hoping to earn their place on high-risk, high-performing teams. In most cases, they've already put in years of grueling physical and mental work just to get a chance to serve and sacrifice more. And that type of selflessness is special, and I feel worthy of recognition. While each person's story is unique and every path to service different, their goals are similar. To do something more, to be part of something bigger, to make a difference. These difference makers were the catalyst behind this podcast, and it's my privilege to share their stories with you. Today, I get to introduce Christine. She and I had the opportunity to work together for a few years at a unit she's still currently working with. She is a breath of fresh air, the best teammate, just a bright light in any room. And I cannot wait to honestly like get to know you even better, Christine, because (laughs) some of these things that we're going to talk about today, they don't come up in like everyday conversation at work. So Let's just start off by you telling us a little bit about yourself. <clears throat> Wonderful. Thanks, Barb. It's, it's an honor to be here. Um, so I am a uh, athletic trainer by trade. Um, I am also a mom to a wonderful 19-month-old um, and a military spouse. Um, I'm a Christian, um, and I'm also an online teacher. So I've, I've done some uh, teaching over the last like five or six years um, through an online program. Um, I graduated through the University of Delaware with my bachelor's in athletic training back when it was still just a bachelor's in athletic training in 2012. I have a master's in sports management, so I kind of jumped into the business field a little bit for the master's, um, and I completed that <laughs> online, right? Yeah. Um, a little bit of leadership aspect with it too, and that was kind of the the motivation behind that. But I I did that online while I was working full time down in Georgia. Um, And then I finished up my Doctor of Athletic Training from Temple University in 2022, again online, um, with the support of my current job, uh, we were able to make that happen, which was pretty awesome. Congratulations. See, there's already, I didn't know that. (laughs) Thank you. Now, what are you teaching? uh, So I teach in the sports management program where I graduated with my master's, um, and I, I teach in both the undergraduate and the graduate programs. I really enjoy it. It's just another opportunity to serve and give back and kind of help shape young minds. So uh, online degrees were kind of pre-pandemic. We're just few and far between, but they worked great for the working individual. And I think it takes a lot of grace to, to, as you go through those programs, like there's a lot of life that can happen with these individuals. There's people who are, you know, in their fifties and even sixties that are like, Hey, I've got a whole life. I've got family, I've got kids, but I'm trying to go to school in the, in my free time. And then you've also got your your average 19 year old that is also trying to have some form of traditional college experience, but is also going to school online, uh, which is not traditional at all. So, and now since the pandemic, I think we're starting to see more online opportunities. And uh, for me, the appeal of doing a distance learning program was that I could still work full time and keep a roof over my head and not have to take necessarily as many student loans um, and still be able to advance yeah. my career and my education. So uh, that was huge for me. Um, I took a couple years after I did my bachelor's to figure out exactly when I wanted to do a master's in. Now athletic training is entry level master's. Uh, so you don't really have a choice now if you're going through the program, but um, wow. but I wanted to see. Okay. Yeah, it's the, the, the profession's expanding, which is really cool to see. Um, but now I wanted to see what, what I wanted to do. And I really fell in love with leadership and I'll get into that in a little bit, but I really fell in love with leadership and wanted to make sure I geared my master's towards something that would help be a catalyst to that. Um, now as a military spouse, the appeal of teaching online is that I can take, 
you know, even just a, a little bit of a side hustle, yes. I can take that anywhere. So, and I can continue to serve others as I'm, right. as I'm doing that. So I really love that, that online teaching component um, throughout the last, I think I've been doing it since 2016. So what? Seven years now? Is that seven? Golly day. But yeah, seven wow. years. <laughs> That's a long time. <laughs> it is. It flies too. <laughs> oh. Okay, I'm going to call you Dr. Castillo for the rest of <laughs> the interview. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah, it's it okay. was... Uh, I finished... How in the world... Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, I uh, I finished it with a newborn. Um, so I finished that degree. I figured I could either do it with a mobile one-year-old or uh, I had like two semesters left. So I could either finish it with a newborn or finish it with a... Uh, mobile one-year-old and I think I chose the lesser of the two evils so oh, <laughs> it was rough yes, but it's you, fun. Did. <laughs> you did how did you even get into that field Christine by the way I'm just always so jealous of your team I love I always loved hanging out with your team you guys probably guessed by my frequent appearances down in the gym and in y'all's space um but you 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 really get to, you're so close, literally physically, you know, kind of touching the people that you're serving. And it's just a really, really neat vocation. How did you get into it? So uh, athletic training, um, I mean, honestly, the, the good Lord's what brought me there. Uh, ultimately, uh, growing up, I'll kind of, I'll, I'll go back pretty far, but growing up, my dad was a really influential and in, uh, kind of my ability to spread my wings and fly and get out of the house and, and chase my dreams. So um, he was always big about putting strong role models in front of me. It was never like, hey, you're a girl, so you can't do anything. Like you can only do this or you can only do that. It was like, I'm going to put strong role models in front of you. Um, I have two wonderful parents that uh, both of them were in our home growing up. And, uh, but my dad was very much so like, let me, let me put strong role models in front of you. Let, um, find something that you love, find something that you're passionate about and, and make that a career. Um, so growing up, I kind of went through several career options. I would say like in high school, I kind of, I've always been a little bit of an old soul where, um, thinking kind of like, what do I want to be when I grow up? Um, and all of them were kind of, I would call them servant careers. So teaching like volunteer organizations, uh, stuff like that. But I ended up having several injuries in my, um, attempts to be athletic. We'll, we'll call it that my attempts to be athletic. <laughs> um, and I realized pretty quickly, I actually was looking at physical therapy, uh, as a, as a degree. Um, and there's a lot of overlap between physical therapy and athletic training, but, um, I was looking at physical therapy originally. We have a good family friend who's been a uncle to me throughout the years that um, was an athletic trainer. And he's like, hey, at the time, athletic training was still entry-level bachelors. Um, he's like, if you want to go PT, great, um, but go athletic training undergrad because I think you'll really enjoy still being around these sports and the athletic population. Uh, I was like, you know what? You're right. Like, this is, this is, this sounds, this sounds very interesting. So um, I got into the thick of it at University of Delaware, um, realized that I really wanted to stay around athletics, not really understanding that like physical therapy had, um, you know, different little facets that you could be a part of too. But I had uh, uh, really started to kind of get into it, but realized I wasn't really into like the traditional college setting. Like I had had a good time during my clinicals. Like I really, you know, it was, I learned a lot. Um, I ended up interning for a small D2 school my senior year, like off campus, um, and really was like, kind of able to come into my own and, and still enjoyed it. But I was like, I don't know if I want to be a part of traditional college athletics. And it was, so I went to college, my, my freshman year was 2008. I had friends that were deploying that had enlisted. Um, and let me tell you, I got really good at sending care packages overseas and could get homemade cookies <laughs> overseas still soft. So I, that was kind of my, oh, my what I call my superpower at that point. But um, I realized yes. I was like, I was like, I want to do something more than just bake cookies. I was like, how can I serve? I kind of wrote my a, a military career of myself, like my own off because of just shoulder injuries and kind of my propensity for banging myself up musculoskeletally. Um, but I was like, what can I do to help serve our people who serve us and protect our freedoms, what can I do to make that a career? I was like, how can, how can athletic training fit into that? And I'm literally, I remember walking back from class one day and I'm like talking, I'm like, good Lord, like, give me a sign. Like, what do you want me to do? And I look up on the side of Perkins Student Center at University of Delaware and there's a literal sign 
that says civilian jobs working with the military. And I was like, <laughs> man, you got a sense of humor. <laughs> and there, was, there was a time like, like I, I, I stopped and I, I like kind of half cried, but also was laughing. And I was like, all right, I, I'm going to take this right. as like the sign that you're giving me. Done. And uh, so, right. So yes. like, I went into a deep dive borderline obsession um, of just trying to make my connections and figure out like, Hey, does athletic training exist in the military setting and how does it exist? Right. Um, right. So I knew the value somehow. I already knew the value at like 20 years old of making connections and networking. Um, and I started building, building kind of that base of, all right, what's going on in the military setting? Um, I had found out about Center for the Intrepid and all the all the great work that they were doing with um, wounded wounded soldiers and wounded wounded service members, um, and thought maybe that would be somewhere where an athletic trainer would exist. Um, and there were some different grants that I found myself a part of. There was uh, opportunities with the Injury Prevention Research Lab of Uniformed Services University, and that was kind of my first um, foot in the door. But I ended up just kind of like it snowballed from there. Um, people knew people and the athletic training community in the military at the time was, and it still is pretty small. Um, we're still technically considered an emergency, emerging setting by uh, the National Athletic Trainers Association right. standards. But um, so it was very easy to kind of be like, hey, this person knows this person. Let's get introduced. Um, and this was back in, so I graduated 2012. I'd already done a couple like, that data collection trips, both to West Point and uh, Camp Lejeune, um, doing a couple of different their projects with Uniformed Services University. And then in 2013, the Auburn University Warrior Athletic Training Program expanded their graduate assistant program um, at Fort Benning because they, they were basically taking, instead of like graduate assistants as athletic trainers working with a sporting team, they were working with um, yeah. basic training units down at Benning. And in 2013, it expanded right. to include full-time positions um, across five different brigades, which was huge. So I actually, I, I yeah. didn't, I, at the time, it was actually an entry-level position, which was awesome. And I, I took a chance and um, ended up going, getting a job down there and, and going down there. And then that just kind of expanded from there, too. Um, grace of God, everything kind of worked out the way that it did. It, it, that fire, that passion was lit underneath me. And um, I wasn't taking no for an yeah. answer. So, um, you know, my heart and soul <laughs> was into that in every way, shape and form. Um, and uh, it just it just went from there. It snowballed from there. Yeah. You have taken on another role. I mean, let's let's talk first about like what what's most difficult about working in in the military environment and and for you you've worked traditionally like looking at the people you've worked with are high performers right so what do you think has been what yeah so one of the i think early on one of the biggest challenges was just understanding it, understanding the population, understanding what was going on, understanding, like I could never fathom what some of the guys that I was working with had been through guys that had enlisted right around right, 9-11 yeah. as a result of 9-11 um, stuff that happened in this world that nobody, nobody should ever have to see process do, et cetera. Um, so my family had not had any touch points with uh, military since world war two. So I would argue I kind of had a little bit of a romanticized version of what the military was like uh, yeah. when I first got down to Benning because sure. um, I had no idea. And I distinctly remember I was working at the uh, one of the combatives facilities and I walked up behind one of my NCOs um, that I thought had heard me because I was I was speaking, but he was rather hard of hearing. Um, and I came up behind him and the way that he spun around so quickly um, I ducked because like the eyes weren't him. Like he, it, 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 like I scared him. Um, and he wasn't where he was yeah. for that like split second in time. And then you call, you saw the body relax and you saw him, um, you saw him realize like, Oh, Hey, Christine's right there. Like, and I apologize immediately. I realized I was the one who screwed up and I, all I did was walk behind him. Um, and that was probably the first, like pull the wool off my eyes experience of like, okay, there's a lot of good that can be done here. And it's not just musculoskeletal. Um, so I think one of yes. the, you know, like it, it's, it's 
it was hard just kind of one, I mean, it was hard getting my foot in the door, but it was hard just kind of starting to understand my population and understanding the true needs of my population. You know, when I was working conventional army, um, before I came up here, it was, you know, this was the first time that they had embedded healthcare in their entire careers. Guys that had been in the military for 15 years and they're like, Hey, nobody has given a damn about me before. Like, why are you different? Like what right. this is, this is the first time somebody's actually yeah. like put hands on me and not just said, here's 800 milligrams ibuprofen, like taking you drink water. Like you're actually trying to help me right. and fix me. Um, and then I come up right. like, yeah. Or here's what you can't do. Ex- exactly. Like, and I'm like, look, these guys aren't going to stop jumping out of airplanes. Mm-hmm. These guys are going to stop doing what they do. And like, most of them identify with this. Like, this is not like I, you identify yourself with sports, right? Like, you know, like an athlete, a student athlete in college gets injured and that can be the, the end of their athletic career. Maybe that changes scholarship stuff. But at the end of the day, like you are a student athlete. So you're going, ideally you're going to school for something else. Right. So eventually like, hopefully you come over that hurdle and you'll figure out something else. Very few people actually end up going professional athletes. But like, when you talk about the tactical athlete, the person who enlisted or commissioned to take like to either for a career, to serve our country, whatever their motives may be. Like if you take their ability to uh, operate physically away, like that's their livelihood. That's how they support their family. That's how, that's how they identify. Like that's, that is their job, right? That is what they do for a living. Like there might not be a backup plan. There's not a, there's not a plan B. Um, So that was probably one of the hardest hurdles going into it. There's very few jobs out there. Yeah. Where, yeah the job itself is something that you've agreed um, to give your life for. That's a, that's yeah, a different. Exactly. And that, it's, it's job. that, yeah. I mean, that is probably the most, one of the most humbling things. Um, like it, it's, yeah, I can, I can do good work and I can help somebody rehab their ACL. I can help somebody get back out there. But like, if I don't give my all to this individual, like that could be the difference between them being fast enough to survive or fast enough to save somebody else or pain free enough to be able to go in and do their job and be a part of their team. Like um, it can be the difference between life yeah. and death. And I think that uh, that's a heavy weight, but that's also a calling, right? That's, that's every reason of why my why is what it is. Like why I do this job is to like, this is my way to, to, that I feel the good Lord has put on my heart to serve our country and serve others um, that have had the bravery to be able to sign their name on the line to, to, to protect my freedoms, to even choose my profession. Right. Like, um, like this is, it's a humbling honor to be a part of it. And uh, I think coming into the special operations field, um, I thought I had a good handle on what life was in the military, but this is, it's a different, it's a different community, obviously altogether with different mission sets, different, different stressors. And a lot of times, like, unlike conventional army, where it's a longer deployment, they're gone for a while, and they come back, like, these are quick turnarounds. And then all of a sudden, they're expected to be right back into normal life. Like, you know, they're expected to go take the trash out or go be dad or, or, or what it is. And it's very much so like, just nonchalant, like a part of day to day operation. And, but it's not a nonchalant job, right? So it's, it's kind of having to have those two different identities and seeing like, how can I help? that individual in, in multiple ways. Um, we had a flight surgeon that you would know that used to work with the unit that used to call us the bartenders of the unit. So the clinical staff, the bartenders of the unit, right? So, um, yeah. (laughs) Um, so, you know, you guys, guys will talk when they're on a table or, or service members will talk while they're on the table. And, um, there's been multiple times where not breaking, you know, confidentiality or trust, but, um, I'll have a session and something just doesn't, you know, I'll work on somebody's knee or their back or, and just something just doesn't sit right. And I'll, Hey, I'll go check who that aligned psych doc is or the cycle, the the provider that can help them from a mental side of the the house and um, say, Hey, I just had a conversation with so-and-so and and this is, these were the kind of the red flags that I saw. Do you mind doing a drive by with this individual to kind of just check, see if they're all right. Right. So um, that's uh, I think bartenders was kind of the best way of describing us. Like, (laughs) we we kind of see it all, you know? It is. It's already um, a vulnerable position. Yeah. Right. Injury is, I mean, it's, it is the scariest thing for them too, because they've typically lived this life where they are almost superhuman compared to the average individual and an injury can do so it's like a crisis yeah. right like a normal person gets injured you're, you you don't like it it's not any fun um but there's definitely i think more 
um, mental, emotional, even spiritual uh, consequences when some of our most talented warriors are injured. And then that's like, that is the time when, when you step in and you're in those vulnerable moments with them um, in some of their uh, lows, you know, but for sure. And maybe that's it's a the lot first time to take on you, you. You mentioned the heaviness. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, and that, that's, uh, it, and it might be the first time, like uh, I'll touch on one other thing and then I'll, I'll comment on that one too, but, um, it might be the first time that individual slowed down. Right. So like maybe they've been running in yeah, their, in their right. mission set for the last five years and then suddenly it comes to a screeching halt. And that's the first time that they've had to deal with some of those demons or things that kind of are, are just been kind of pushed underneath the surface for so long. And that's when you start to see things kind of come to a head. Um, and it is like, it's, it's, it can get heavy. And I think that's so important of why it's even me as a provider um, that I have to have my support network too. Right. Like um, I have right. to have, yes. I have to have my ability to decompress, whether that's talking to a chaplain, whether that's talking to my own um, psychologist, whether that's talking to my husband, right. Like that's, that's, knowing how to decompress after some of that weight sits on your shoulders. Right. So, um, and in many cases you know, we might be talking about life and death with, with people that we're working with. Right. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. you know, so it's, right. it's, it's where you can kind of check that, but also knowing that like, Hey, I'm doing everything I possibly can for this individual. Right. Like I am putting, I'm putting everything I have into it. Um, but at the end of the day, like they are a human who makes their own decisions too. So like making sure that I can have that, that separation, um, and, and know that yeah. like, Hey, especially in this setting versus like conventional, like we have every resource at the fingertips to help that individual. So, um, it's making sure making the right connections, but also like having my strong support network is, is what is pivotal. And I think like I've, I've said for years where, um, work can be crappy, but home has to be good. Or like if home is hitting some bumps, then like work needs to be good. Like you can't, I feel like you can't have both be bad at the same time. <laughs> but um, so like having that strong, like home foundation and, and a life outside of the job, um, I think is so pivotal and so important into uh, maintaining the ability to do this job without burnout or to mitigate burnout or to make sure that I'm at my best. So I can, if I don't take care of me too, I can't take care yeah. of others. I have nothing left to give. Um, I think that was honestly one of the biggest challenges postpartum. Um, you know, we just had our first kid like February of 2022. Um, and man, my cup was empty. Um, I dealt with, I'm somebody who has right. been very strong in their faith for a very long time. And, and that is my rock and that is my source of, of my strength. But like, I dealt with postpartum anxiety. I'm somebody who, like, I feel like I've never really dealt yeah. with true mental health concerns, but like, I didn't, I was down, mm -hmm. my kid was upstairs sleeping and I was downstairs having a panic attack because I wasn't watching him breathing and making sure he was still alive. Right. Like, so, and then I'm yeah two months later going back to work and dealing with like, Hey, I've only identified as an athletic trainer up until this point and work has been my baby. Like for gosh sakes, I'm completing a doctorate with a newborn. Like I, I care about my career. <laughs> like I never thought I would have trouble going back to work. Never thought I would have trouble. I thought I would just like, I mean, and it was a blessing because my parents take care of my kids too. So like, I know who's taking care of my child, but, um, but I, I, yeah. I, like, I, I sobbed for probably the first two weeks coming back to work, like almost every single day going in. And I love my job. Yeah. Um, but I was, I was struggling right. with having that new identity now as a mom and how to kind of split my time and like figure life out. Um, I distinctly remember like, while yeah. I was still on maternity leave, even my husband, bless his sweetheart had gotten back from a deployment, like when I was in my second trimester, um, and was dealing with that in its own, like all the, you know, things that he kind of dealt with to kind of process that. But, um, I was, I was dealing with massive amount of hormone fluctuations postpartum. Um, <laughs> that was, <laughs> um, but massive amount of hormone fluctuations postpartum. And like, he's looking at me, like I've got six heads, like, okay, you're, you're broken. What's wrong with you? How do I fix you? Like, and I'm like, I'm not broken. I'm just, yeah. I just need to, I don't know what's like, I right. can't control this. <laughs> and, uh, and, 
Yeah, it, it was yeah. a different, uh, it's not the Christine no, he knew, no, right? No, he's always yeah. seen this like person who's like unwavering yeah. strength, right? Like, and um, and not to, right. not to toot my own horn on that, but I've always been somebody who's like, okay, look, I'm I'm the level-headed one of of the two of us. Like, let's, let's I can I can handle anything you throw at me. No notice deployments, I can, ha- I can handle it. Like, I got this. But now all of a sudden you put this little like, like fragile thing in my hands oh, yeah. where I'm like, okay, well, I'm hardwired to take care of this, but I'm also like, I need to go to work. Like, um, so it was a matter of kind of finding that balance and, and taking care of myself too. Fortunately, where I work has been super flexible and gave me the grace I needed when I needed it. And, um, you know, I, I, I sought help and that was the first thing was like, Hey, not being afraid to ask for help. And I think that applies to our population too. Right. And, um, like I recognized yeah. that I was not okay. Um, and, uh, and that I needed, I needed additional assistance. I needed people to talk to I needed to, people to tell me that I wasn't alone. Right. Like, cause it felt alone. I was the first person of mm-hmm. my friend group that had kids and right. nobody else was in the, in my shoes. Right. So it felt like nobody else was in my shoes. It always feels like you're like the only one going through these things, but, um, <laughs> I know, right? but so it was a matter of like, okay, like taking the time and then to lean back into my faith. Cause it, that that was so important for me and and figure out like okay like god you've got this like what what do i need to do like where do i need to be like where does my heart need to be and it's okay to shift what your calling is too like and you know right now at that moment he was calling me to be a mom but also like okay how do we benefit like how do we still balance being this wanting to serve others in the way that i I currently serve them. And like, can we still make both work or do we need to look at a career shift? Right. So like, um, you know, I think it's kind of, there's a lot of things that I've learned about myself just in the last year and a half. And honestly, like Mm -hmm. dealing with kind of that first bout of, of mental health struggles of my own, like um, I think has made me a better clinician. Um, It's made me more in tune. It's made me more in tune with, um, my population. And honestly, as a result of it, like I've gotten super connected with some of these community resources that have helped me both on the, uh, my side of town and kind of over on towards, uh, where a lot of our guys live. Um, I've gotten connected with a lot of these local resources. It's kind of become a passion project and I've actually sent lists of resources to spouses that are going through, um, Mm -hmm. similar things or maybe need some, you know, physical therapy postpartum, like things like that. And it's, it's, I think it's something that the good Lord put on my heart to, to help another way to serve others and serve this population. Um, even down to building out prenatal and postpartum programming for, um, either unit members or referencing ones that, that, that spouses could use. Um, so, you know, just a different niche of ways that I can, I can help individuals, but, um, yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. I think we, especially like, we should be the first, you know, those of us who serve others should be the first for, um, to admit like that it's okay to be just a normal human being and that every, every single person struggles (laughs) for sure. But the but the faster you reach out and you don't isolate yourself then the faster that track is back to feeling quote unquote like yourself again and in the in the midst of that like when you choose to let go right of the the pride and the shame uh-huh. and the guilt and the lie <laughs> that we're the only one going through that when you let all of that go like the gift is so much bigger it's it's just it's such a good oh yeah but it's Um, but it's so scary it's a daily recommitment too right like um my my son was sick a couple weeks ago and I had to call out last minute from work because it's usually like inevitably it's always when like my husband can't flex or something like that. Right. That's the, that's when the stars align, of but course. Um, yeah. <laughs> he's super helpful. He's a wonderful, wonderful husband and dad, but there's just sometimes when like it's mom that has to bend. Right. So, um, and I had to call out from work last minute and there's a guilt that's attached to that because it was, um, 
always, yeah. I was always the dependable one. I was the one that was, you know, like, yeah, I can be there and help you set up with this at four o'clock in the morning. Like, no problem. But now I, I got to say no, you know, exactly. so right. there's a, there's a guilt right. that's attached right. to that. And it's, you can have a great career yeah. and you can have a wonderful family, but there is at some point when you have to prioritize one over the other. Right. So, um, right. those, those two right. things will compete. Um, and it's a matter of, again, having that good support structure at home, um, that good support structure at home and, and making sure you know where you can give and, and just give and take and, and communicating with your job or your spouse, what you need. And, um, you know, I definitely, I felt guilty and I, it took me a little bit to let that go. I'm like, I had to shift things around. Somebody had to pick yeah. up my slack, you know, this and that, but it's, right. but it's okay. And it's letting that guilt go. And it's a just, mm-hmm. I think it's a daily recommitment for sure. And, um, there's a lot of prayer that goes into that too. So, <laughs> Yes. Well, tell us a little bit more about your experience as a military spouse um, and just what what that's been like for you. Some of those challenges unique to that experience. I think I I, I joked when we first got married, um, I got drop kicked into it. That's that was my experience as a military spouse. Initially, (laughs) Um, we had been uh, we had gotten married in our backyard. eloped kind of military style, which uh, nobody in my family understood. I think they were expecting a baby announcement shortly after. They're like, why would you do this? I'm like, why? Like, it's just a different, it's just a different lifestyle. Um, And the reason why we did it was proven immediately, almost following. So he had just gotten back from a deployment. And I said, look, I don't want to do another uh, deployment as a girlfriend. He had gotten stuck when the whole COVID pandemic happened. So he was supposed to go for 60 days and was gone for five months. And I was like, look, I, I don't want to do this as a girlfriend anymore. We've been talking about, uh, getting married. And, um, and so we ended up, we got hitched in May of 2022 or 2020, excuse me. Um, and then a week later they got activated again to deal with, another response. And I'm like, this is why we got married. Like, (laughs) um, aside from the fact that, you know, I actually really love and cherish my spouse, but, um, but we ended up, uh, um, we tried to plan a wedding reception in October of 2020, had to cancel it because both of us had gotten COVID a week out from it. Tried to reschedule it in September of 2021. Um, again, just celebration with the family and friends, like, fairly low key, but still wanting to have those experiences for my parents and, and have those memories and photos. Um, then canceled it again because he was deployed and I was in my end of my first trimester and beginning of my second trimester. And I was like, I'm, I'm done. I give up. Um, so I think being a military spouse has uh, um, taught me a lot of resiliency in ways that I never thought possible. Um, but it also has given me such of an appreciation for what's important. Um, so while all of those things were annoyances, um, they were not the end of the world. Cause at the end of the day, my husband came home from deployment safe. Um, he is still able to be a dad. He's still able to be a husband. Um, he's alive, right? Like that is something that I don't take for granted. Um, and, uh, and that just puts things into perspective, um, in a way that I never, never thought possible. Things that would seem like the end of the world for other people. Um, our perspective is, Hey, you're alive. Like that's, that's, what's important. Like we're, we're together. We've got the time spent. Like it does these things, like they don't, they don't matter. Right. Um, yeah, they just, uh, they just like, you know, it's the, the perspective is that we need to, we still have each other and that's the most important part sanity for that matter too um throughout throughout life he just completed a uh um a paramedic program that was a hybrid program where he was still working full-time and had this like uh medical operations job that he was doing and and that was super time demanding too but he was spending all of his weekends on uh clinical rotations or or in class or studying or things like that so it was like a six-month span where he basically he was deployed without being deployed um and he was just when he was home. Right. Yeah. Exactly. It, it kind of it's was to be honest, because he, when he would come home, the poor guy was just like a shell of a human. Right. So, um, and it was a matter of right. like, okay, here's, here's what needs to be done. I think I jokingly, but also half serious looked at him one time and I said, look, 
we will weather this storm and I support you in whatever career goals that you have. But right now you can have one of two things. The house can be clean or everybody can be alive. Like both cannot coexist. <laughs> right. <laughs> so but I, I joke about that, but it's also like, okay, like, let's let the things drop off the radar that don't matter. Right now what matters is that everybody's healthy, that yes. I'm able to maintain, like I can still work. I can still take care of our son. I can get food on the table. Like how can I also help you and also maintain my own sanity? Like whether that's getting a, you know, a 30 minute ride right. in on the Peloton or going to work out, um, taking an hour to work out at work or, or whatever it may be. Like, um, how can we kind of balance everything and make sure everything gets done that needs to get done. So, um, I, prioritization has been huge as a military spouse and just learning what's important and what's not like there's things that like, yeah, it's a bummer when they don't happen, but it's not worth wasting my energy on. Um, Cause at the end of the day, like at, we're, right. we're alive, we're healthy, we're thriving and we're doing what the good Lord has called us to do. Like we're supporting each yeah. other. Um, and that's, I think yeah. the most important thing that I've learned kind of as a, as a military spouse spouse has not been without a lot, like significant mm. challenge. There's it's not sunshine and rainbows. Yes. It is a rough life. Um, but it's, it's so worth it. Um, and, uh, somebody said to me the other, that's yeah. one of the things I loved about it too, uh, is that it's like, um, this gift of never f having that space where you don't know yeah. what's most important to you. And it's like every day I know not, I, I don't know anything about pop culture. No, <laughs> I haven't seen that movie. Right you know you. what I mean? <laughs> but like, I know that my days are spent doing what's most important and it's just such a oh gift. no no you're, anyway you're I cut you it's, off. it's, what it's a weird calm day? amongst the world yeah. of chaos it really is when you kind of like hit that hit that point um you know right. it just uh, it, it it just the, the priorities just i mean it just amazes me how much they they shift and how it just you know you just kind of look at like what was important before and it, some of the stuff seems so trivial now, especially when you're looking at balancing like a kid into the mix right. too. But, um, I had a, somebody at work actually the other day, it was, it was one of the other clinicians that we work with had said something to me where it was like, you know, like being a military, I forget exactly the phrasing, but it was like being a military spouse is like, that's rough. And I was like, you have to separate it. And he's like, what do you mean? I was like, you have to separate the job from the guy, right? Or the spouse, like the person, like you have to separate mm -hmm. the two. Like he, mm -hmm. and while he might right now identify as a medic in the army, like that might be his identity. That's not who he is. Um, and I joked, right. I was like, yeah, we got into a little bit of a spat the other day in the kitchen. Cause he's like, you know, he's like, well, what do you, I, I was frustrated. I was like, you're not, you're not home before 7 PM. You're not home before 8 PM. Like just text me when you're going to be late. And, uh, He's like, well, what do you want me to do? I was like, I don't want you to do anything. I support you. I support you fully. I'm just saying that I'm allowed to say that it sucks sometimes. Like, <laughs> you know, like, like it's yeah, exactly. Yeah, He's I was like, like, I'm so I was like, confused. I support you. You can do it all. I will. I will be there. I will like. I'll, I'll heat up dinner for you. Like, I, I was like, it's some days just it's just it's hard. hard. <laughs> yeah. I was like, but you have to. You have to. Like, is. you have to separate that job from from the individual, because if you don't, then I think that that's when I would start harboring resentment against him. Like, um, he can't right, right now, exactly. like, this is what his job is. He can't control it. Right. Like, so it's, it's just, there's some sacrifices that occur yeah. with that. And it's just me needing to be able to not excuse it because I still deserve to be, you know, treated with respect. I still deserve to, to have my needs met too. But like, but I need to also understand that like, there's some things that are out of his control, right? Like if he, get stuck in a meeting or he, something happens or like his mission is a, is a, you're somebody in the military, like you're serving others. Like you're, you're serving the needs of our world, of our country. Like that is, that is different. And, and it's so important to separate those two to make sure that like, I don't harbor resentment against him. I cannot like his job. I cannot like right. his job, but his right. job is temporary. He is right. forever. He is, he is the person I'm going to be with. Right. So That's it's so right. important to kind of separate those two things um, and kind of have that for me, at least have that perspective. And I'm in a unique situation where um, I understand a lot of it because I've worked in it for more than 10 years now. So um, I have right. an insight into the world at the same time. I don't put up with the extra 
crap, but <laughs> um, but I have a perspective in that, like I I live in this world, so I understand the the unpredictability of it, the everything that changes last minute, um, yeah, everything that can just you know go down in the blink of an eye, cancel plans, like things that have to shift, like missed holidays, missed things like that. Like I get it. Like does it does it change that it sometimes it sucks? Like no, it doesn't. Yeah. It's go- and it's it's allowed to. It's a, it's okay right. that if it's bad sometimes, like it's okay yeah. that it's a bummer, but at the end of the day, like he is not the right. job. He is my husband. And at some point we will move on from the army and, um, we will have a different, different life. And, and that's something to look forward to too. Like, but appreciating what we can in the moment and making the best of kind of when the moments just aren't as good, but like at the end of the day, we're still together. We're, yeah. he's still alive. We're, <laughs> I'm alive. Our son is happy. Like everybody's happy. <laughs> like some days more than others, but everybody's, everybody's kicking. Um, I still yeah. make him, I still make him text me every yeah. single time he hits the ground after, after jumping out of an airplane. I was like, we will not take safety for granted. Yes. And yes. you should. Yes. That's right. Yeah. That's, it's so funny because even if you wanted, I mean, you, you do have to separate the job and the person. Um, but sometimes, you know, I find myself thinking in those moments where your thoughts are trying to lead you down this frustrating path or this path to bitterness, but it's like, no, because of his heart being the way it is, yes, he puts in the extra effort because the heart that is in him that I fell in love with is he puts in the extra hours. And so it's like, you can't, you separate the job and the the requirements from that individual because they don't have a lot of control over it. But it's like, man, like what a tragedy it would be to, to demand certain things when it's those very behaviors that, you know, like, that's why you love that person. And that's why they're so unique anyway. And anyway, okay. Well, you obviously have a behind the scenes view of, I mean, triumphs and struggles, honestly, like just from your own experience working uh, in different military populations and your experience as a military spouse and working even like with the most elite military members we have, um, considering, and I know this is a big ask, but um, considering all you've learned thus far, what do you, what do you think are just some like go-to pieces of advice or resources that you would recommend? So it, first things, maintain humility, right? Um, everything that, everything from being a military spouse and being married to somebody who's in the military to uh, doing this job and serving those who have put their lives on the line for this country, like, I don't, I don't take that lightly. I never take that lightly. Um, it's an honor to serve in this way. It's an honor to, um, be married to somebody who so selflessly put their name on the line to potentially give it all for this country. Right. So, um, I have three degrees and more than a decade of, of experience, but I'll never come close to knowing or understanding it all. Right. Um, and the second that I start thinking that I right. know it all, that I can handle anything that comes my way and, and that I, I've, I've got this, I've seen it all. Right. That's when I fail my population. That's when I fail as a wife. That's when I fail as an athletic trainer. Yeah. That's, that's when I fail this population. So maintaining that humility is so important and never forgetting my why. Right. So, um, I think it's so important to, you talk about resources, it's so important to, to check in with my own mental health to check in where I'm at and to, to like continue to fuel that, that passion underneath, whether that's a podcast on the way to work or that is, um, you know, reading a, reading a leadership book or, or looking at like different ways that I can continue to expand my skill set, like never losing that spark, never losing that passion. Um, and the second that it starts being more of yeah. a job than a calling, then like, okay, do I need to reassess mm-hmm. my career choices? Do I need to reassess where I'm at? Why is my mental, like, yeah. why am I in this mental rut right now? Like what's, what's going on and how can I either pull myself out of it or what do I need to do to just change my situation entirely? So um, it's, it's never forgetting that, that humility for sure. Um, I think one of the biggest piece of advice, like I'm going to sound like a TSA ad here, but if you see something, say something, right? So um, <laughs> just because something looks okay on the surface doesn't mean it is. 
Um, and I could be the difference between life and death yeah. for that person. Right. So um, I think that's so important yeah. where like in a multidisciplinary team like this, like it's so easy to tap into the resources. It's so easy to walk into the next office and say, Hey, I need yeah. you to do a drive by with somebody. Cause something's just not rubbing me right with this, this individual, like something is off underneath the surface. Like I know this person mm-hmm. and they said X, Y, and Z, and it just strikes me as odd. Um, but like, as a military spouse, like I've also done, uh, I've also served as a soldier and family readiness group leader. I still do. Um, but like knowing the resources that I have available to me are, is, is where I take a lot of calm and, and, and peace. Right. So like knowing how to help somebody and not just say like, not, not just say, I don't know and leave it at that, but like, I don't know, let me figure it out. Um, so knowing your resources, whether you're a military spouse, whether you're somebody who works in this profession or, or just anything in general with life, like knowing what's available to help somebody out in their like time of crisis, because there might not be a lot of time where like you identify somebody who needs help, right. um, and you need to get in, get involved and, and get into the weeds. Right. So, um, especially with our, our job as, as an athletic trainer or clinician. So you got people on a table, like they're already in their most vulnerable, like you said, like they're already in their most vulnerable position. Right. So they're right. already like, right. Should, things have already shifted. Like it's important for me in that moment to know exactly how I can help that person or to know the resources that I can access in order to help that person. Um, And then I think like just what we were talking about before, like if I was giving somebody advice as a spouse or somebody who's about to be a spouse, like separate that person from the job, right? Like um, we're in a, I think we're in a time where divorce rates are super high anyway, but like, especially in the military field, um, like it's, it's Mm -hmm. not an easy lifestyle. Like, like pulling the wool off my eyes and not romanticizing what it is in this, in this field is, is super important. Um, and was super important, like from the get go. Um, and that comes that back down to maintaining that humility, but like, like separate the person from the job, right? There's some things that are just out of the person's control. Like, I think that's super, super important. Giving the spouse some grace, but also not making excuses for their actions too. Like there, there needs to be a line and, and having that open communication, I think is so important too. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And it, it's constantly changing. Yeah. So yeah, keep up the, the talking. There's no, um, it's really hard to draw a line in the sand because that line no longer makes sense in a different right. circumstance or situation. So uh, yeah, don't keep, keep up the communication. Don't draw lines in the sand um, and, and, separate the job and the person. Yeah. Give a grace. Okay. If there's someone listening to your story, they, they feel that urge, they feel that call to serve in a way that's unique to them, but they don't know where or how to get started. So I I mean, if you're a faith, you know, you mentioned, if you're a, if you're a faith-based person, like pray, if you're not a faith-based person, consider praying, like, um, walking with the good Lord in this life makes it the water far less murky. Um, it really does. Um, and it just lights the way. Like, um, I'm here in this moment exactly as I am because the good Lord put me here. Right. Um, he gave me the tools to be able to do this job. He gave me the drive. He gave me the passion. He gave me the, the, the desire to serve and have that servant heart and to reach out, um, and, and just do good for others. Like, I don't take that for granted. Sometimes when you're in the trenches of everything, I think it's hard to sometimes remember that. And it's important to kind of be able to refocus that daily, like refocus that daily, whether that's in my, I have a 35 minute drive into work and that's my time where I get to, to pray or, or listen to, to podcasts or music or, or what have you like to be able to kind of recenter that and go into my day, um, with the, with the servant heart that I need to have in this, in this field. Right. Um, I think it's so important too to yeah. find something that you're passionate about and just let that guide you. Right. So like I knew that I wanted to be an athletic trainer. I knew that I, um, had this call to like, I, I felt drawn to this, to, to serve our military in some way. Um, and then I just, I just said, Hey, like, give me a sign. And I had a literal sign, like a literal sign, <laughs> you know, sometimes it's not always that black and white, but like I let, I took, I, I could have been like, huh, that's yes. funny. And then moved on and never done anything about it too. Right. So like, um, not being afraid to like have a door shut 
and then have to jump through a window, right? Like shove your foot in the door, go through the window. If the door is shut, like if a door is shut, there's a, there's meant to be another one that's open. Um, don't get discouraged. Uh, don't let that passion get discouraged. Like continue to keep that fire, find something that fuels that fire, um, and go. And then honestly, like we are in a world of like, everything is at our fingertips for better or worse. Um, Google network, build relationships, like reach out to people, like talk to people, like maintain (laughs) those relationships. Like, especially in like this field, like everybody knows somebody, right? So like you might not know somebody that's in this specific job or in this specific setting, but like somebody, I bet you, you know, knows somebody else and, and, and can help kind of get you those connections. Um, you know, fight for a seat at the table and don't let anybody tell you no, right? Like I, I'm a female working in a male dominated environment. Um, I was at Ranger, I was at Ranger school working Mm -hmm. at Ranger school when, um, gender integration started in the military, like with, with combat arms. And, um, I am always been somebody who is a firm believer in like, it doesn't matter if I'm male or female, it has, it does not matter. It matters the job that I do. Um, and that reputation is so important mm-hmm. of, of what I bring to the table. It doesn't matter. doesn't matter what, what I am, right. It does not matter. It matters what I can do and how I can serve others. So, um, I've always used that to fight for a seat right. at the table and not let somebody tell me no, like, all right, let me, let me work. Like, Absolutely. let me, sh- let me show you I belong here. Yeah. It's okay. It does not matter if you don't see a copy of yourself at that table, probably it might even mean more so that you are needed and necessary at that table, but nothing about you um, disqualifies you from the desire and, and taking those small steps um, towards that desire that's been planted in your heart. So I exactly get that. Yes. Well, thank you so much for your time. Um, I've taken too much of it already, but it's just uh, too (laughs) fun talking with you. And um, I, I just want to say thank you for, um, you know, just your, your diligence, your caring nature. Um, You do carry with you a lot of humility. Like you, I see, I've seen the effort that you put into caring for other people and making them feel comfortable, um, you know, just so that they can have the absolute best experience while they are kind of in a down and out position and the optimism you bring to work with you every day and to your team is invaluable. Like you cannot, you, you cannot put a price on it. And thank you for, being just that caring and supportive military spouse and, and loving mom. So you're setting, setting the bar high for the rest of us. And it's just a pleasure to know you and um, a pleasure. To thank you for inviting you. me. It was an honor to honor to be here. So thank you so much. Hey everybody. Thank you for joining us for another incredible episode of in the name of service. If you enjoyed today's episode, please like and subscribe. And of course, feel free to share with those you feel would like to be inspired. Have a difference maker in your life that you'd like to see featured? Reach out to Dr. Barb Thompson at inthenameofservice at gmail.com. We'll see you next time.